I'm almost afraid to ask, but how are you doing, Mike? Um, I I can't actually find a way to answer that question because I'm like, do I make a joke? Do I mm-hmm. answer seriously? Do I like <laughs> say a bunch of things to bleep them out? Like they're the three options that came to my head, but I don't have a good answer for any of them. So I guess I just answer honestly. Um, today is. I felt better yesterday. Today, I don't feel any better mm-hmm. because the, the reasons I have coronavirus in San Jose. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I guess Cortex <laughs> listeners don't even know, do they? No, Cortex <laughs> listeners don't even know. So, update since the last time, since our last recording, I got a call from Apple and they said, hey, we're doing an in-person WWDC and we'd like you to come. So, I was like, Awesome. I'm going to achieve a life goal. Here we go. I'm going to my first keynote. Literally a dream come true mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So I then, this was a little less than two weeks before WWDC. So I had to arrange travel for me and Adina, which at that kind of period in this economy, isn't. it was very cost prohibitive, but it was like, well, this is a life goal. This is a dream. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're ever going to mm-hmm. spend the money on something, you spend it on that, right? Yep. So we made it work. We got out here uh, the couple of days leading up to making the trip. Uh, I wasn't feeling too awesome. I had a little bit of a tickly throat, sore throat. So I kept testing, as one does. And it was fine. Obviously, you have to test to come to America anyway. But I was doing a bunch of lateral flow tests at home. Everything was fine, including the morning we left. So at 8.50 a.m., the day that we left for San Jose, did another test, which is an extra test. We didn't need that one to fly, but I thought I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to make sure I was negative. Took the flight. Throughout the flight, I didn't feel awesome, but I never feel great on planes anyway. Like on a long hour, long flight like this, like a long haul 11-hour flight, I always get off not feeling too awesome, you know? Yeah, a flight from London to California is not the time to judge. How good do I feel? And then arrive in my hotel, take another test, immediately positive for COVID. (sighs) Immediately. So this was Saturday night. Hilariously, like I looked at the images. So it was 8.50 a.m. I was negative. Exactly 8.50 p.m. San Francisco time, I was positive. It's just funny that those the, the timestamps on those are both like 8.50, but obviously way more than 12 hours, right? It's like 20 hours difference. But in those 20 hours, mm. I went from negative to, I would say, incredibly positive. So you've done lateral flow tests, right? The antigen tests. Mm-hmm. You know when like you can watch the liquid kind of like move through the, mm-hmm. the testing field? Right. As soon as it got to that area dark red immediately like and you know i i know other people that have taken tests i've i haven't had covid yet but i know people that have taken tests or i've read about them or seen them and it takes 15 minutes 15 to 30 Mm -hmm. minutes but no this was like there's no joke boy you've got covid yeah everyone's advice is you have to wait a while and see if it fills in but Mm -hmm. apparently not for you why wait (laughs) <laughs> you know there's, there's enough drama and tension with just the liquid making it that is a good point actually that is mm-hmm. a good point and i'll say this is one of the worst illnesses i've ever had 
Really? Okay. I have been very sick. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I've got a little bit right now. The worst, the worst symptom I've had is my chest feels like it's burning. That's that's kind of how I feel right now. Obviously, you can hear I'm stuffed up, and I've been going through periods of just like extreme lethargy. Like I just can't move. I, I've been really messed up. Now I will say, friend of mine underscore, you know, Mister Widget Smith said to me. Mm-hmm. When I was talking to him. Really, it's kind of good that you are this sick because if you were just positive and weren't sick and missed out on everything, you'd be even more upset. I'm like, you know what? You're right. If I'm going to have it under these circumstances, I kind of want to feel it, you know? Like if it's just, if I have absolutely zero symptoms, but Uh had to pull out of everything, that would, I think that would hurt more. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you. I also feel like in this moment, Whatever you need, man, to feel better. <laughs> like if that if that helps I'll you feel anything. better, yeah. right? That's that's good because I, I mean I, I don't know any of the details. I just got your instant message, yeah. and it was one of the most crushing photos someone has ever sent me of just your positive test result. Mm. Not because of like oh Mike has COVID. It's just it's knowing like I was just messaging you from my perspective when you were getting on the plane and then later in the same day it's like oh you've arrived and now you can't go to any of the things that you have arrived at and this is the first time that you got invited out to participate in all the stuff mm-hmm. it was just it was just crushed like i turned to my wife immediately i was like you will not believe what just happened to mike uh, it, it, <laughs> I tell you, I had two, I, I genuinely, these are my first two thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a delay between the two of them. So my first thought was, I was devastated. Yeah, absolutely devastated. Mm-hmm. It's one of the worst feelings I've ever experienced because there was so, you know, this, I was going to be going to Apple Park and there was a lot of other opportunities that have had to be gotten rid of, which I think hurt even more. Um, that we were going to be doing mm-hmm. this week. Um, and one of the next thoughts that I had was, at least this is a good story. Like I got all the way here. Like I'm in a room in San Jose right now. I have been here for five days now while everyone is also in this area doing all the things and seeing each other and living their convention life. And I have sat here in this friggin' room I've been recording some shows and stuff, right? Because, like, people say to me, and I'm sure people say to me now, and I get it. They're like, you shouldn't be doing this. You're sick. Trust me, I understand that. But here's the other thing. What else am I, would I be doing here? You know, I would just be sitting here for days and days. Like, honestly, I've done a show every day. I've added in an extra show. I was on Federico and John's show, App Stories, because I need something to do. Because otherwise, I came halfway across the world to do less than I would do if I was at home. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's just so like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing it, but for my mental state, I have to do it because otherwise, I'd be losing my mind. It didn't dawn on me until just now, but I, I realized, oh, of course, no one can see you either. Yeah, like, like I've just been, I've just been thinking, oh you can't do any of the apple events that you were invited to but it's uh, no no one can see you no all my friends are here and there's people i haven't seen uh, yesterday 
I saw a couple of friends from a very far distance in an outside courtyard. But that was the first time anyone would want to see me because no one would see me before now because I could jeopardize their week, right? Of course, yeah. But now most of the stuff's done. People were more willing to see me. But there are people that came in just for like a day or two and I didn't see them. And, you know, it's, yeah, it sucks, man. Yeah, if, if we had gone together and you had tested positive, yeah. I would not see you. No, like, well, wouldn't. sorry, buddy. <laughs> you're on your own now, friend. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, like, but you you are just like oh well you're just going to be in in spaceship hotel room that's mm-hmm. what that's where you are oh my god I didn't even mm-hmm. I don't know why I I kind of just thought at least you'd be hanging out with other people but of course not like I don't even know why that was in my head mm-hmm. M- maybe because I couldn't grasp I couldn't like face full on how miserable of a situation you're in <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look like, at it my, my brain was like ah it's fine though at least he's hanging out with all with all the guys right. No, 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 he's not. <laughs> and I'm still positive. I tested this morning. Oh, I'm still, God. I'm still very positive. Like it, the, the test, it, there's no waiting around. You know, like that test ready to go. I, I mean, Mike, don't take this the wrong way. Yeah. You sound extraordinarily positive. You sound terrible. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it this morning. I sound worse today than I did yesterday. That's for sure. Like I can hear because. Mm-hmm. My show, when I did Upgrade on Monday, I sounded more like this. Mm-hmm. When I did Connect mm-hmm. on Wednesday, I wasn't so congested. So it, it didn't sound as sick. The The main mm-hmm. issue that I've had, which I'm also experiencing, I'm getting confused a little bit sometimes. Like I don't, <laughs> you know, like I don't uh-huh. know what I'm talking about. Like I, I start a right. sentence and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. Like it, that's the thing that I'm feeling more acutely than normal. Well, at least that doesn't impact your work in any way. Yeah, no, it's fine. There's, what do I need to keep track of anything I say, you know? <laughs> what should I say about the room we're in? The, the, the only piece of luck is where we're staying. So mm-hmm. San Jose, you've been to San Jose. It's All the amenities mm-hmm. are kind of bad, you know? Like, the hotels are all kind of terrible. They're all still overpriced, even though there's no f***ing convention. Like, why are, they st- why are all these hotels still so expensive? <laughs> Nobody's here. But they're still all really expensive. <laughs> it sounds like a hotel cartel is what that sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it's like yeah. I don't understand that this is still okay. But we booked a, a room. And I always want a room. I want to make sure I get a desk, right? Like, it's important, mm-hmm. you know? So the room we got wasn't the cheapest, but there were like, it was just like a regular room, but one of the, like a deluxe room or whatever nonsense, which just means, oh, it has a desk in it. And that was at like, uh, I think it was like at the Marriott Hotel or something. And then um, David and Stephen found this like serviced apartments company. It's like, it's not like Airbnb, but it's like, we are a company who owns a bunch of apartments in downtown San Jose. And you can just rent them for short stays. And Hmm. I took a look at it because there was, I could see a much bigger desk area. They both, there's the desk in the bedroom and there's like a table in the the living room area because it's like a full on apartment. We have a bedroom, a bathroom, a kitchen, and a big living room. And I was looking at that because also, you know, we weren't really sure where me and Jason were going to be recording. Um, That one thing we missed. We Jason recorded at Apple Park, and I recorded from here. They were going to have us record together at Apple Park, which would have also been really... <laughs> they, they built a podcast studio, and we were going to be the first ones to use it. Jason still used it, which was good for him, <sighs> but I was here. Mm-hmm. But we weren't sure where we were going to record, so... I was like, oh, having a, a, a room with like a table and chairs, that might be quite good. And also, we priced it out, and it was cheaper than the Marriott room that we booked. So I was like, oh, this is a no-brainer. 
Mm-hmm. And it turns out being the only strike of luck that we've had this week because we've been able to have room and space from each other. Yeah, because Adina's there, right? This is why uh, I've been sleeping with an N95 mask and living my life in an N95 mask in this hotel room. Which, if you have COVID and you are... So you're already struggling to breathe a little bit and you are sleeping in an N95 grade mask, I'll tell you right now, that is a horrible experience. I I, I don't... I literally don't think I could do that. What else are you going to do though, right? You want to protect your partner. Like, this is where... this You know, it's like I... There's nothing else we can do. Mm. It's been a horrible week, Gray. Man, I mean, I, I was really hurting the summer just like flying to Hawaii wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my, my, only, my only pro tip there was I realized about halfway through on the flights, the Apple Max headphones have a nice little ridge in the ear cup. So you can wear the headphones and put the mask, like hook the ear cups to the mask itself to take the pressure off of your ears and to make it somewhat more comfortable i don't know if you could sleep with headphones and masks i'm trying to work my head around the the logistics of that i don't think i have the brain capacity you have the brain capacity because think about this the the apple max headphones the big ones that go over your ears if you are you wearing them right now i'm wearing them right now yeah so if you feel them there's where the foam is for the ear cups it's like a little ridge of space so you can securely wear a mask and instead of putting it around your ears put it around the ear cups of the max headphones and it takes the like i found for a long period of time Mm. it was significantly more comfortable because it takes the pressure off of the back of your ears which was rapidly becoming you know intolerable after 12 13 14 hours of travel i'm gonna do this on the way home yeah so i would recommend giving that a try but how, like is, how's how's adina doing is she okay yeah she's fine okay unbelievably i i, I kind of mm. can't balance it out in my brain how i can be feeling like this and she's totally fine <laughs> i'm happy though don't get me wrong yeah no of, co- of course <laughs> you, you know you can hear me i need someone to look after me right like i can't mm-hmm. do all this on my own right and so i'm really pleased but i also just kind of can't wrap my head around it because mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just so strange. It's all so strange. Like, I don't know why it's hitting me as hard as it is. And I will tell you right now, I am so thankful to be vaccinated. My God. Because if mm. I feel like this and I my body has a level of protection, I can't mm. even imagine what this is like if I didn't. Mm. This has been a, like, just a bad week. But I'll go back to it. It's a great story, though, right? Like, in, like, two years' time... You know, we'll all be at WWDC. It's definitely just going to be like it is right now. They're never going back to how it was. I think that's the thing that's been proven this week. They know how to do it in this hybrid way. Mm-hmm. We'll all say, oh, do you remember the first one when Mike came all the way here and got COVID? <laughs> you know, like it's the, the story is there. The story tells itself, you know? Yeah. I, I wonder, I'm sure someone at Apple could confirm or deny this, but you you have to be the person who traveled from the farthest yep. and tested the most frequently to then not be able to go the, like there's there's nobody else who would have come as far tested right before they got on the plane and then immediately tested positive when they arrived who came from the other side of the earth like that has to just be you i do believe i am the only person from the media wing that this happened to 
Now, there was, there was like a thousand developers, maybe, is what it looked like. Oh, wow. I didn't realize they brought that many people. Like that, That's still a lot bigger than I thought. I don't know that number for sure. But uh-huh. if you look at the pictures, there's so many people that ended up being here. Like I've heard, I've seen people estimate maybe two hundred media, a thousand developers. Boy, that's interesting. But if it was not a thousand, it's in the real high hundreds. Like they ended up converting a huge part of their like they converted their cafeteria and their outside space into this big seating area where everybody sat and watched the thing, and it was a lot, mm. a lot, a lot of people that were there. Do you know are, are the Apple developers by invitation? Like, is is it does it work the same way with as with the media? It's yes and no. They had an open kind of like you can apply to come to the event. Hmm. And they sent out the invitations that way. But I expect there were also an element of people that were asked to come as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because also they had Hmm. like design awards and you kind of have to have the nominees there, right? Right. So I think it was a mixture, like WWDC has always been, it was a mixture of lottery and invitation. Also with the media part, it seemed like over a week period, they kept growing because like I got invited and then a few days later, more of my friends got invited and then more and then more. like it kept, felt like they kept extending the invitations mm-hmm. a little bit. But from the conversations that I've had, I think I'm the only person this happened to. You know, and Apple would be very nice to me. They, they sent me this like care package of medicines and snacks in like everybody got a goodie bag like which had like a hat and badges and a tote that they sent it in that which was nice and it was like i had a nice little note from apple pr which was really sweet you know because i would assume they're just thankful that i was honest yeah i I feel like that's a little bit of a thanks for not infecting everyone basket and especially given how terrible you sounds uh yeah. yeah it's like yeah thank thank you for not coming here and getting your covid germs all over our sample macbook airs for everyone to handle i wouldn't have been able to do it right like on monday mm-hmm. i wouldn't have been able to get by but you know i mean again my feeling right now is this will be funny in a year when you're at the next one mm-hmm. it's it's not i see the funniness in it now though right like i'm not laughing about it very often mm-hmm. But I see that it's funny, right? Like, mm-hmm. I can see that. Like, it's it, it just like, it's very, it's just the irony of it all, really, you know? Yeah. That I was, I finally got everything I wanted. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, and it got taken away from me in the, in the top hour. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a bit like a granted wish from a genie. Like, oh, you just yes. asked for the invitation. You didn't ask to go. Oh, you just said you wanted to go there. Well, you're there, aren't you? You're in San Jose, right? Yeah, I think you could hear laughter in my voice, but I know this is what happened when my brain, again, just like can't process it fully or just refuses to. It's like, no, no, it's it's funny. It's like, yeah. no, it isn't. It isn't really, though. Like, on, honestly, since you sent me that message, I don't know, a couple, couple days ago, I've just been, you know, minding my own business, working on stuff. And that image of your positive COVID test just pops into my brain. And I think, (laughs) poor Mike, poor, poor Mike. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FitBod. Between balancing work, family, and just about everything else you've got going on in your life, it can be really hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. And that's why you need FitBod. 
Fitbot has an algorithm that's going to learn about you and your goals and also your training ability. And it's going to use that to craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. Their app also makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform every single exercise. Personal fitness isn't about competing with others. You don't want to have to look to other people and try and stack up against them and do what they do. What you need is something that will work for you because that's when it's going to stick and you'll see the results that you've been looking for. And Fitbod will use data to create and adjust a dynamic fitness plan for you to make sure that you're going to be able to get those results. You'll also have instant access to your own personalized routine in their awesome app so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. What I really love about their app is their video tutorials. They're HD, they're shot from multiple angles, so you can make sure that every new exercise you're learning it really easily makes it a breeze. Fitbod's app also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Fitbod really is amazing and has definitely changed how I consider fitness. Everyone's fitness path is different. This is why Fitbod does so much work to make sure that they customize things exactly to suit you. It makes sure to learn from your last workout so your next will be even better, whether you're working out twice a day or twice a week. Fitbod even tracks your muscle recovery to make sure that your plan is balanced with a variety of exercises to make sure you're not overworking anything. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but Fitbod is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year but you can get 25% off your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash cortex. So go now and get your own customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash cortex, and you will get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash cortex for 25% off. Our thanks to Fitbod for the support of this show and Relay FM. Uh, everyone's been so nice, right? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's been an emotional, it's, it's just been such an emotional time, right? Because I've got like, mm-hmm all this stuff that like just so close I could touch it kind of thing that I've wanted and yeah then so that's all has been emotional and then you know talking about it and like sharing how I'm feeling online and stuff I was I wasn't sure what people how people would react you know like Mm because it's such a strange thing but the unbelievable wave of care that Mm -hmm. I've gotten from listeners uh, it's just been honestly quite astounding. Like I don't think I've ever experienced something like this before. Like, which I guess is kind of shows that people know what this meant to me. Like they understood it mm-hmm. as acutely as me. It's just just a nice feeling. And a lot of tears have been shed this week, man. I tell you, <laughs> it's been yeah, it's been a time. I think there's a lot of listeners who have listened to you over many many shows over many years now and we'll know like how how much it will have meant to you to go to this thing Mm. and so can really internalize just the crushing unfairness (laughs) of this happening to you of all people who are there so yeah it's 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 very nice to hear that you've been getting sympathetic messages from all of your various audiences like that that's nice to hear but i also had like one of my friends said to me yesterday at least you know you're gonna get another invite now (laughs) (laughs) they're not gonna forget about you (laughs) here's the next year mike oh yeah oh fucking hell (laughs) 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 oh 
we can't get away from it either, right? Like the the, the natural thing is like, okay, we've got we go, we're done with that part of the show. We'll now move on to other things we want to talk about. But you can't get listen to me. You can't get away from this. Yeah. You know, no, it's like, you, you, <laughs> you sound terrible. And also because because I've been there, I have this horrible understanding of sense of place. Of like, I know what those hotel rooms are like. I, like I know what it's like being in the city. Also, I mean, I mean, like going to conferences. There's a thing about going to conferences which always makes me feel like, oh God, the whole world is high school again, and where you, where you just have this feeling of, oh, you're in this place, and there are all the people around, and there are events going on and then it becomes this weird social management game and there's i don't know there's something great about conferences because you get to see people but i also just acutely feel the awfulness of like you know that there are other things going on and like oh maybe you get invited to those things and maybe you don't and that happens in normal life but something something about like the conference environment just really heightens those feelings and makes everything just feel way worse if you're like oh i'm not at an event where i know a bunch of people are and so like i just like i can viscerally feel like mike in his hotel room it's just like high school there's the coolest party of the year but he did get invited but he can't go and like the proximity of everybody being there is just different you're not you, you don't yeah. have the protection of being nine hours off in a time zone so you're like oh when you see the tweets it's because they happened nine hours ago it's like no yes. no no, they're happening right now it's happening now uh it's awful like i had a thing where i open find my friends oh no no because Adina, Adina <laughs> popped out to get some stuff and like you know you know san jose i don't the streets here aren't amazing like Mm-hmm. You just you, you never really feel fully safe in, in some of these areas. Doesn't matter how nice the area is, like there's just like mm-hmm. a can be an especially earlier in the morning, like an element of weirdness here. And I opened it find my friends on Monday morning and got to see everyone moving towards Apple Park, right? No oh no. Here they go, you know. Oh come on. <laughs> come f- <laughs> on. <laughs> Also, just in general, San Jose, like no. San Jose. Hey, look, you're, you're, you know, I'm sure everybody here is lovely, and like, I don't want to be mm-hmm. here. Like, if I was in mm-hmm. San Francisco, you know, at least I would have like way more options for food delivery and stuff. And like, there's stuff we've been fine, mm-hmm. but there's stuff I want way more, you know. And it's like, I have nothing bad to say about the residents of San Jose, I, but I will disagree with you. Hey, it is neither did I. Odd. <laughs> It is an odd conference city. Like yep. it, it both has the infrastructure necessary and also feels like it's completely missing all of the things. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just a, it's a strange place. It's a strange place to be. Also, I know San Jose is the place where I get coronavirus. You know, like I'm 100% positive in San Jose 100% of the time. I've never been positive in uh-huh. London. You know, <laughs> right. Right. It was just a cold in London. Yeah. But now yeah, it's, look it's what coronavirus. Happened when I came here. Look what you did to me, San Jose. <laughs> uh, I used yeah. the min. So, I, I, I brought. No, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I used. I brought my on, Minix no. so, plug. So how's that WWDC? <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. My plug. I brought my Minix plug. I'm using it. Oh, okay. All right. Finally. All right. We're moving on. 
Yeah, moving okay. on. I brought it. It's great. Mm-hmm. You like it's, it? It's a great little plug. But Apple has one now too. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that Apple had one, which is nice. But I still say the Mini X wins out because yes. it can travel, right? It can it can travel to different locations, and it has the USB A. Oh, well, also it's more powerful. Yeah, because the Apple one only goes to thirty five watts. I'm just happy to see Apple do something with two USB C ports because yeah. any pressure that can be put on the like more USB C ports, please train. I'm happy to have. So um, I'm glad you liked it. You, you suggested last time that you you saw on Amazon they had a bigger one that was like yes. a three USB C port and, a, and an A one. I did get that while I was in Hawaii, and I've my recommendation is it's fine if you're going to use it in the house, but it's not good for travel. It crosses that boundary of it's it's too big, it's too heavy, and so I'd rather have two mm-hmm. of the little mini X ones to be okay. more flexible also for location than than the one big one. Right. So yeah, I, I didn't love it as the charger, so I'm going to be sticking with the two USB-C version of the mini X. One of the interesting things Apple was doing with theirs is it comes with some versions of the new MacBook Air, hmm. or if you go for the baseline MacBook Air, it's like a £30 increase, but if you buy the upgraded one you get it well you get a choice you can either choose between the 35 watt with two ports or one 67 mm-hmm. watt adapter i think that's cool to have as an option for your laptop right especially something like a macbook air because it's the lightest laptop then this laptop is the travel laptop as well it's just the most popular but you could imagine you've got one power outlet at an airport you know, and you plug in your laptop and also plug in your phone. Like, that's the yeah. benefit of things like this, these, like, GAN chargers that we've been talking about for the last couple of episodes. So I'm just happy that they are giving it as an option now, depending on the laptop that you buy. I think it's cool. Yeah, it, that is cool. Although that feels like maybe one of the most un options that they've ever made available. That just feels very... The choice of power adapters. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite... I'm very surprised by that. This is a new thing, though, right? Because... With the MacBook Pros, you can choose to get more powerful ones if you want them. So I like it. This is part of like hmm. their new M, that Apple Silicon era laptop purchasing decisions is like one of the options you get is how do you want to charge it? Because they have hmm. this new charging technology, right? They have like fast charging. So you hmm. can pay more to get the fast charging or you can pay more for the added convenience of two USB-C ports on a thing. I think it's cool. Yeah, It's not like old Apple, but... Apple Silicon Apple seems like a bit of a different beast. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like everyone should go for the two port version. Yeah. Like that just feels like such an ob- obvious win. Like the number of times fast charging is really going to matter versus the number of times you want another yes. thing to charge. Like, yeah, it's like a hundred to one. Especially on a MacBook Air, right? Because with the MacBook Pro, you're, some of the stuff that you do on the MacBook Pro just drains the battery faster than you can charge it because that's just the nature of the machine. But for mm. the vast majority of people buying a MacBook Air, they're doing like the regular stuff, right? They're doing yeah. regular computer stuff. They're not like not all of them are bouncing Final Cut videos or whatever. So I would say like you know if you want the more powerful one, otherwise you go for the dual one. Yeah. I always think it's funny during the presentations. I'm always very aware when they talk on the MacBook Air. They'll bring up Final Cut, uh. but they never say the word exporting, and they always have some kind of qualifier. They're like, "Oh, it's great for some light Final Cut editing, right?" Yeah. But like, but don't render your project on here, guys. <laughs> like, don't do that. This will do better, <laughs> like, because they brought on the M2, they brought in the video encoding stuff 
that was mm-hmm. in the, I think, the M1 Pro, they brought that onto the M2 chip. Yeah, I still wouldn't want to have to render anything on a system without a fan, but, you know, I mean, maybe, but... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, okay. I just... So it will deal with some stuff, but you're right, because it won't be able to sustain the long time needed for rendering yeah i still have such a visceral memory of being in austin with you trying to export a video project while i was uh in like a co-working place and just watching the render race against my battery dropping and i was like oh come on computer man i'd forgotten i gotta go everyone's having fun at mini golf but i'm not there right <laughs> i'm not in any of your mini golf photos because i was i was watching was my battery why? go 10 percent, 9 percent, and i just had to get that project finished i can't remember which video it was but i was like oh my god please laptop make it and it didn't is the spoiler of that so i never made it to mini golf <laughs> that i remember now that like there was one morning where everybody was surprised yeah, was because you published a video. We were like, hang yep. on a minute, he's here with us. What's he doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, it took longer than I expected. Yeah. So only render things on laptops that are really built for them is, is the lesson that I learned that day. What do you think about that MacBook Air, though? Like, it looks cool, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a machine for me, obviously, but it looks like a fantastic computer. Yeah. I'm also really happy to see that what I think is the vastly more sensible design language of the squared off edges is spreading. Like, yeah. Again, I like, I please, I hope they keep this. Like I never really loved the thin wedge of the old air designs. Like I get it. It's cool. At the time you could save some space that way, but, but they just don't need to do it anymore. I'm just happy to see the, the spread of the square. The wedge was a, a, a compromise because they had to keep fans mm-hmm. in those machines still. Mm, yes that's right yes. because if yes. you remember machine it was not wedge shaped was the macbook right that 12 inch macbook that wasn't wedge shaped mm. and there was no fan in it but that machine couldn't handle having no fan in it right like it just couldn't do it but now the apple with all their apple silicon stuff they just don't it just doesn't need it this can be incredibly powerful and need no fan and so they can just make it super super thin it looks fantastic i'm excited to see it Obviously, I didn't get to see one. That is one of the other things I missed out on was my very (laughs) first uh, product hands-on because all of the media got to go and do like a hands-on with the with the stuff. Phil Schiller was there and Tim Cook was there and like a whole thing. Right, and and everybody's footage from that room is used silently because it seems like it must be so incredibly loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's really where the, all the footage on YouTube is like, no one uses the audio from whatever that room is. It must be just a cacophony of everybody's, give me that, I want, I want the starlights, right? That's what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. It's like pandemonium. But I want to see this machine. I, I want to understand the thinness and the lightness of it. I think it could be could be really nice for my, like my daily computer. I'm wondering about like making my MacBook Pro my actual recording and editing machine, and hmm. having a MacBook Air as the computer I take to and from the studio. Right, because you're moving the MacBook Pro back and forth right now. Is yeah, what you're it, doing. Yeah, I take it home and bring it mm. back every day. Yeah, no, that that seems that seems sensible. Like if I travel to record, I would travel with the MacBook Pro because then it's all still set up to record on, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a consideration I'm having because I'm trying to work out like I love my iMac, but it's not powerful enough now. Like, oh, I should say it is powerful enough, but I feel the difference between it and my MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. And so, like, in trying to work out what I think my future might be, it might be two laptops. 
but I haven't decided yet. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think that's the way mm. to go. I mean, we've, we've discussed this, but my plan going forward roughly is is like have laptops because they're easier to switch around. They're easier to change their purpose. And now that Apple's really locked down external display support, including on those iPads, you might as well keep going with the stuff that's more flexible, especially if you think things are going to possibly change with your work and office setup. So, yeah. I say, uh, go for it. Get your hands on one. And so then I can come checking out what I can see next. <laughs> After you have definitely tested negative. Unless you're coming out here. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm not expecting yeah, it anytime but, soon. But look, man, like we're recording this now also because I'm whoosh away again on another oh, yeah. trip for like three weeks, right? So you better be testing negative by the time I come back. Yeah. And you may very well have your hands on uh, a MacBook Air by the time I next see you. That'd be nice. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for helping you build your brand and grow your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, from your products to your services or even the content that you create, because Squarespace has you covered. It's super easy to get started with Squarespace. You just take one of their beautiful templates and you customize it just however you want. With the fonts, the colors, the layout, everything can all be done in the web browser. You can even use their apps to customize your website too. It really is super easy. With Squarespace, you can very easily get blogging. They have all these powerful blogging tools to help you share your stories, photos, videos, and your updates. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make sure it works for you. All you need to do is just choose one of the beautiful templates. It's just as easy as browsing the category of your business to find a perfect starting place. Then you can do all of that customization that I mentioned. You can even sell your products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. And you can also use insights to grow your business and your website. If you've ever wondered where your site visitors are coming from or where those sales are originating or which channels are most effective, you can analyze all of this in Squarespace because once you've got the data, you can then improve your website and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. I have been using Squarespace for over 10 years. Whenever I want to get something online, I don't want to have to jump through all the hoops that it takes to build a website from scratch. I just want to be able to go into Squarespace, get everything set up beautifully in just the way that I want, and then get my words or ideas out there because that's the whole point of the website in the first place. Now, you can go and try out all of this for yourself today, and you can see why Squarespace is going to work for you. Just go to squarespace.com slash cortex, and you can sign up for a free trial. There's no credit card required. Then, when you're ready to launch, use the offer code cortex, and you'll save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash cortex, and when you decide to sign up, use the offer code cortex, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. A thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of Cortex and Relay FM. Should we talk about WWDC then? Yeah, let's talk about the big events. WWDC. I would say my overall feeling is they did a lot more than I expected. It was a very fast-paced presentation with tons of stuff, like really tons of stuff. And they hit a bunch of things hard and cleared up a bunch of problems that I think people had or wishes that they had whilst also adding things that you didn't really think you wanted. Mm. That's kind of my like overall feeling of WWDC this year. I think that, honestly, I think this was a bit of a home run year 
on all sides because sometimes they have things that are really good for developers. Sometimes they have things that are really good for consumers, uh, content munchers. <laughs> but, but <laughs> <laughs> software no munchers. But the, but the, the, this time, I think they did both because they introduced a bunch of stuff and also said, and hey, there's also an API. Or they brought APIs in for things that didn't have APIs before. And I think that's what I want to see. I, I want both things. I want like, here's an awesome new feature and here's an immediate way for developers to take advantage of it. I do wish they completely leveled that playing field because again, Apple have introduced new features. They've introduced APIs, but Apple's versions of those things can do more than developers can do. I kind of wish that this, uh, that's the next part I would like to see them do, like true level playing field. Like I'm thinking about like... Um, widgets of interactivity or they have these new things called it's like this type this notification thing uh it's called live activities which can update i love it so like say one of the things they showed was uber right you order an uber you get like six notifications from uber right over the period of like we found you a ride it's on its way they're nearly here they're at but now there will just be one notification with an animation that gives you all the information you need during the time period so like i love that but Apple's live activities, like you can press buttons on them. So like the timer is a live activity and you can stop the timer that way. Or the now playing thing is now a live activity and you can play and pause music. But developers can't have interactive buttons on their live activities. But that's like, I'm getting into the weeds. Overall, I think this is really great. So I would like to know uh, what features jumped out for you specifically. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Now that you mention it, I didn't tune into how often they said the word API, but you're totally right, which is different from previous years. They were yeah. really harping on that as we made this thing. And also it's a, an API. Like that, that's a good catch that I didn't tune into. My overall impression was, so I, I ended up watching it twice because uh, I just happened to catch it when it was, quote, live and i was watching with my wife and so it was, it was like wasn't giving it 100 percent attention i was like it felt like it was a little bit of a late year and then i watched it again this morning to be like okay wait a minute uh I, I we're gonna do a show on this like let me go through and actually pay attention and i feel like yeah there there was a lot more in it than i thought when i was first just casually watching and it felt to me a bit like sometimes in video games they have a release that they just call a quality of life release mm -hmm. where they're just trying to make a, a large number of small things easier and nicer to do and this felt a little bit like a mega quality of life release to me of like we have a lot of things that are just making things smoother and I actually made the same note as, as what you just said, that there were a number of times where I felt like, oh, you're fixing a problem that I didn't even really know that I had. And that live notification thing was one of them. Like, mm. oh, my God, of course. Like when I yeah, when I order food to my house, it's incredibly annoying to try to leave the app open all the time yes. to have a sense of where's the person mm -hmm. especially because what we're frequently trying to do is not have doggos alarmed by people at the door so we <laughs> want to try to catch it like at the exact right moment of like okay buzz the person into the building before they ring the bell and like open the door before they get there so we're always like trying to keep the app open and see exactly uh, where the person is and it's like oh I don't think it would have ever occurred to me that this is a perfect solution for the lock screen, but like, great. I love that they did that. And there were a number of other little things like that where I just thought, oh, I wouldn't have even thought about this. So yeah, it was an interesting year. 
What do you think about that new lock screen design? Yeah, the, the lock screen was one of them where I think it, I just hadn't really conceptualized different lock screens in that way. Yes. I think it's great. I think it's a really good idea. I was extra surprised when it was, it wasn't even just, oh, you can finally customize your lock screen, but oh, you can have multiple different ones. It's like, wow, I can't believe this. Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't have even thought of asking for it. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's like, it's a weird amalgamation of things. There's like, a little bit of focus in there. There's a little bit of Apple Watch, in, actually quite a lot of Apple Watch in there. It kind of does feel like they were like, hey, what if we made the Apple Watch the lock screen? Because you've got multiple lock screens slash faces. You've got complications have come. And also the notification design reminds me of Apple Watch. Like now all the notifications at the bottom in this like scrolling list, which reminds me of mm-hmm. kind of like you know, it it's the opposite way. Like, that's how Apple Watch has always been. Like, your most recent is the one at the bottom, and then it goes up chronologically, which is the opposite right. to how it is yeah, on the I iPhone. Think about that, yeah. But now it's like mm-hmm. that on the iPhone, too. So, like, notifications are right down at the bottom. You've got all your stuff at the top. Um, and that the complications thing, that I'm really excited about. It very, very clearly, I'm sure you can see it, but there's also been a ton of, like, data pulled out of the releases, like, there is going to be an always on lock screen on the next iPhone Pro, and this is part of. Oh, I ready haven't for seen that. any of the like what people have uh, yeah. dug around in. So, so you're saying it's always on green on the next iPhone? And the complications. Hmm. That's why the. Oh, that's that why it's complications, not widgets. Right. They're calling them widgets, but they're actually complications. And you can imagine that will just come right ah, over, right? Yeah. Right, because yeah. then they can use all the power-saving stuff for the watch. Yes. Ah, oh, clever, clever, Apple. Yeah, it's very clever, right? <laughs> I didn't think about that. That makes sense. Developers have to actually do something. You can't just... If you have a complication, it doesn't just show up. You have to like basically check a box and it will work. But because they're bigger, you can also do things that you can't otherwise do. So... Hmm friend of the show app friend of the show timery is on the apple watch now right which is fantastic and i love it but i saw joe the developer was posting like a complication design for the iphone which is it's physically larger so he could show more in it than he could show on the apple watch like a like a a circular Mm. one with a running timer in the middle which you wouldn't fit on the apple watch's display but you could fit on this one but they're so they're like similar in feel and you can move your existing ones over but because you have more screen real estate, you can also do some different things with it as well. So I think that this is really weird and really cool. And I'm very intrigued because I feel like I don't spend a ton of time on my lock screen, but I probably do check in my notifications, but I don't think about it. So I'm keen to see like, what does it look like when I can customize it? And they're doing all this interesting stuff with machine learning and the imagery to like put the time and stuff behind elements on the screen they're doing this like really they've got some really powerful stuff going on with this right because what it looks like when you look at the images on their website is oh if you take a portrait photo their phone knows and it can put the time behind the person's head right mm-hmm. but this also works for images not taken on an iphone right they're, they're doing object detection like yeah like they did the demo and messages with the bulldog of like oh we can just pull the bulldog out of this image yeah and i've been doing this i would run on an ipad the beta it is so good you can tap on like anything and drag it out of an image it's unbelievable like i've been doing hmm. it with people with objects and i mean 
I don't know how useful it is, but it's really funny. <laughs> it's like it's mm-hmm. like just becomes a funny thing. You can just like drag a little thing and text it to your friends. Like you just pull somebody out of an image. It's like quite memeable. Like I don't know how useful it is, but this is technology mm. that they have created for something else, which is for the lock screen stuff, probably. But at the same time, it's like oh well, you can also pull people out of images and send them to people if you want to. So it's like a fun little thing that they've added. Are you saying memes are not useful, Mike? Is that what you're saying there? If if, if it's useful for memes, that feels like that's Good that's point. enough. That's more Good than point. Enough. Although I I do also I have a small request here. If anybody on the uh, Apple team is listening. <laughs> Because I was like, okay, all this machine learning stuff, it's absolutely amazing. But you know what always annoys me? And I feel like, come on, guys, you have to put this feature back in because you had it, whatever it is, 10 years ago on the old version of Photos on the Mac. I want to be able to not just know like, oh, this is this breed of this dog in this photo. It's like, no, 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 guys. I want face recognition for dogs. And I know you can do this because you literally used to do it on the old iPhoto where you could like pick out the family dogs and you could say, right, this one is this dog and this one is that dog. And and like I've tried to force the the photos to be like, recognize the dogs in my life, right? But photos like, oh, dog, I can't, there's no face here. So I feel like, come on, guys, you have to be able to put this back in. Dogs are part of the family. I want dogs' faces recognized in photos and i feel like if if you're if you guys are doing this stuff where you're like magically pulling objects out of images we are way past the point where you can do this again and better than before and it worked just fine before so that's my request to the apple team (laughs) dog faces for your family i never knew this was a thing yeah you could force the old photos to do it like you put a circle around the dog and train it on a bunch of photos and it it would totally recognize it in my family we had a couple dogs of the same breed it could tell them apart so it it wasn't like just recognizing a dog so i want that feature back that's my request apple thing that i'm surprised about through the entire keynote is focus because they did a thing that they never do they introduced a feature they made it better the next year i know (laughs) this usually takes two years and I understand why. I like, I've heard this process mm-hmm. explained, and I get it. They're already working on the next version. By the time, you know, like, it's just, just these are the features that are left off or whatever. My only thing that I can assume is what they have now in iOS 16 is the full idea for Focus, right? That, like, they got somewhere through the development process of iOS 15, and they were like, okay, we need to draw a line and ship the, like, minimum viable product here. And then in iOS 16, we'll follow up with the rest of the features. Because some of the stuff they've added is some of the stuff that seems so obvious to us. Like we were just talking, I was just talking about like the setup process being too complicated and they have completely changed the setup process. It's now kind of like you can opt things in or opt them out, which is exactly what I wanted, right? So you can start by saying, no one can contact me except these people and apps, or you can say everything's fine except for these people and apps. Right. So like that's oh, perfect. Okay. That's yeah. just what I wanted. Right. So you have that mm-hmm. choice and they call it allow and silence. Like they're the verbs that they use. So you can mm-hmm. allow these things and silence these things. They've also got like they've refined the process to make it easier to set it up. Like they're trying to make more suggestions. I hope they'll be better than the last suggestion process that they made because it was wild. The lock screen stuff can also tie into focuses. So you can have a work focus to set both a work home screen and a work lock screen. But the thing that I am the most excited about is the focus filters API. 
Yeah, so I, I didn't quite get what they were talking about in the yep. presentation with this. So this. This was, again, one of these moments like, we have an API for apps, mm-hmm. and I've, I felt like I don't quite understand what you're aiming for here. Well, from my understanding so far, I still have some sessions to watch, but from what I've been able to get my head around, the API is actually for a feature called Focus Filters. But what it does is, it's just, I think it's basically an API that will let you know as an application what focus is somebody in? And then you can help them interpret that in different ways. So Apple have put it in Safari and Calendar and Messages and stuff. So for example, if you are in your work focus in Safari, it can show you just your work focus tab groups, right? Mm. So you can hide all your personal tabs, just your work tabs. In Messages, you can say, these are my work messages, just show me these. And then when I'm in personal, like like home don't show me those same as you can turn on and off mail accounts in mail so you can have like your work mail account and your personal mail account and you'll only see the right ones when you need them so they've created an api for other people to adopt to do the same thing so for example let's imagine slack right you could have personal slacks and work slacks and when you're in your right. home, you don't see the work slack anymore. Okay, okay. I know that they said something like that in the presentation, but the way you've just pitched it makes more sense to me. And this, this also feels like the very fact that they hit on it twice when I was watching that section, like I, I couldn't believe. I'm like, oh my God, we're doing focus modes again? I just mm. assumed I'd have to live with this for a few years. It's, it's interesting because seeing it a second time made made me almost feel like, is this a bigger deal for apple than i think it is or like is this connected to other projects in a way that's not obvious right now like that that's that kind of makes me feel like it's more and with focus filter apis i don't know it kind of makes like i know i think about this with everything but it also just kind of makes me think of the ar project again it's like here I, th- I think about this with the david allen book getting things done which i don't really recommend people read anymore and one of the reasons i don't recommend people read it anymore is because one of the fundamental ideas in that book of like you have these different contexts the whole world since that book was written has just collapsed into there's one context and it's called your computer and your phone like it's just your digital life and this focus stuff feels like Apple trying to pull apart that idea, especially with the APIs. Like that that really does add a whole other layer onto it. And I could see that would be more important if you really are going to have like an omnipresent device. Yeah. Be like, this is the way I need the world now. It can't be everything always. Maybe it's not for the AR project. Maybe it's something else. But it, it definitely have that like little little spidey sense going on of like this feels like it's more connected to other things being two years in a row and with these apis boy as that's very interesting i'm going to be curious to see if it makes it next year like the, the phrase focus filters right makes you think it's just about like taking away or adding things but really developers can use this to interpret or de- show their app in whatever way they want right mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. it gives developers a way to know what the focus mode is and then they can adapt to that. Mm. So like, let's imagine, I don't know, let's say YouTube, right? Where like they could just show you content related to work 
or whatever. You know mm. what I mean? It, it's like it's not just about like conversations or whatever. Yeah. Like a uh, fantastic cow, for example. You could imagine them tying it into their calendar sets. Yeah, or like YouTube's a good example because one of my tricks for working is like for a lot of the stuff that I do, YouTube is really good at research for uh, for for a video that will be out at some point. Uh, I, I needed to res- review some like university level lectures on things. And I really was having this moment on YouTube of like, my God, isn't the modern world just amazing? Because like, oh, I can get access to all of this like MIT classes and all of these other universities that just like put stuff available online for free. And here's like some of the world experts talking about a thing. and I can just watch this guy give an hour and a half long presentation on like an obscure topic from the comfort of my own home. Amazing. But also it's filled with cat videos and like all of the YouTube channels that I'm subscribed to for entertainment. And so I think I started this uh, sort of when I put together the new office, but I've made two separate YouTube accounts. One is on one computer and it is just for research stuff. Like it's just for the work. Mm And one on like my personal devices, which is like, oh, here's all the, fo- the all the YouTube channels I follow for entertainment. But it's like, it is really hard though to keep those things clean and separate 100% of the time. And yeah, it's like it's interesting. YouTube is a great example of like, boy, if there, if there could be some kind of focus context here of, hey, sometimes I'm using YouTube for work and sometimes I'm using it yep. for relaxation. And I would like YouTube to be able to know that that would be that would be great and could help get around some of like the nonsense that I currently need to do with switching between profiles and trying to remember to switch between profiles. And also because I don't want to see like YouTube ads having to buy a like a family sharing program to share with myself YouTube premium so I don't have like ads on both of the things. It's like it's ridiculous. But yeah, boy, that is way more interesting than I was thinking it was with the thought of like other apps can know and all of the possibilities that can be part of that. Pretty excited about it. Like I I wasn't expecting it and I'm I'm pretty excited about it because it feels like th- there is a lot more possibility available to this feature than before. And mm. and I agree with you in a way that's like, what's the full, what, is this the full story? What's the full story with this? Like, Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, I like it. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people that you want to interview faster and for free. When you're looking to hire, when you're in that phase of your business and you want to find someone to expand your team, it can be really stressful to hire. I mean, you've got so many other things going on, right? That's why you need my help in the first place. So it's really great to be able to use a tool that makes it so easy to not just find the right person, but also to help you manage all of the applicants. And that is what I really love about the LinkedIn Jobs system. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. This spreads the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash cortex. That's linkedin.com slash cortex to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of this show and Relay FM. So you said you're running the beta right now? Uh, on an iPad, uh, yeah. Okay. Have you tried out the stage manager? I'm interested in this. <laughs> this is why I got an iPad Air. Because I, do, I don't <laughs> have an M1 iPad. Oh, so, oh okay. Right? Because my iPad Pros are older. I have like mm-hmm. one from 2018, one from 2020. I haven't updated them. Mm. So now I'm going to be selling those and using just this instead for the time being. There was a rumor as we record today of uh, a 14-inch iPad coming in 2023. But I think makes a lot of sense when you look at what they're doing with Stage Manager. I've needed to try this like as soon as I could. And I have. And it's very intriguing. It's very clearly Beta 1. Like it's weird. Like it does a bunch of really weird things. And I would say it works so much better in the Magic Keyboard than it does just trying to operate it all by touch. Like it really does feel like a pro mode kind of thing for the ipad but i really like it this is in case people aren't aware it's a new multitasking mode it has like now overlapping resizable windows on ios and it's also coming to mac os too as like a new way to manage windows on mac os yeah they introduced it in a in a funny way because they they introduced it as a mac os feature first where they're like oh look we ha- we have this thing called stage manager and i, I was watching it and I, and in my brain i'm translating this as Oh, okay. This is trying to be a more user-friendly version of multiple desktops. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, like that makes sense. Yes. It just so happens that time I was visiting my family and I taught my mom how to play magic, there was one other major project, which was teaching my mom how to navigate around multiple desktops. And it, like magic, I, it was one of those things where I thought, like, Mom, you'll love this. But it's going to be a real pain in the butt to figure it out for a while. But like this is fantastic, and I got her over that that hump of learning how to use multiple desktops. And now she, it again is one of these things of like, how have I used computers for this long without ever using this feature? But it is not user friendly at all. It's not discoverable. It's very easy to feel like you've lost things with multiple desktops. This is spaces. You're talking about spaces, right? Yeah, sorry. I feel like this is uh, this is the old like multiple desktops or virtual desktops, I think is the Linux language, right. which has never gotten out of my head and they just call it spaces in, in Mac OS. <laughs> yeah. That's the one for all the all the people always trying to get me to come back to Linux. Uh, but <laughs> Man, those people are just gonna give up. You know what I mean? That just feels like <laughs> You just, it's just sadness. You're setting yourself up for sadness. (laughs) I have always thought it's a great feature. And and actually having gone through that experience with my mom, I I was thinking like so many people would find this really useful and they'll, they'll never discover it. Like, should I make a tutorial about this? Um, And I was kind of toying around with that idea. And then, and then that's why I was watching them do stage manager on the Mac and thought, okay, this is not for me because it seems to burn a, comical amount of screen real estate but i feel like it is a good way to get people used to this concept of little groups of things that can be stuck together like they're in a desktop but then when it was it was revealed like oh this is actually an ipad feature we just happened to have brought it to the mac it it was like ah this makes so much more sense from a presentation perspective that was like 
galaxy brain. Yeah, that was fantastic. Because you got to show how important and serious this feature is before bringing it to the iPad, right? It's like, we think this is a great way to use your Mac also mm-hmm. your iPad. That makes it seem like, oh, this is like a serious feature. This isn't just like a, ha-ha, we're working out iPad multitasking kind of feature. Like It, it adds mm-hmm. a level of seriousness to it, like credibility to it before they showed it on the iPad. I thought it was really smartly done. Yeah. Also, from a clever stagecraft perspective, that is a complicated feature. And so the, the ability to come back to it later after you have already seen it makes it significantly less overwhelming to explain the fullness of it because then they want to say oh look you can use this on your ipad with external monitors it's just a very clever stagecraft thing if you have something that's really complicated come back to it so that the audience feels familiar with it of like oh yes stage manager i remember that from before uh, so yeah, that was that was really well done and it was interesting i mean it did make me laugh when i saw them using like final cut with stage manager and like a little square on the mac it's like there's nobody on earth who uses final cut not full screen all the time like you need every inch of that screen space and it always makes me smile when they show how their computers look it's like apple just loves to burn screen real estate in all of their little demos like nobody uses things full screen nobody tiles their windows everybody just has a little document floating in the middle of their beautiful wallpaper but that is why i wanted to ask you what is the experience of using it on the iPad? Because I can imagine that you don't have the option on the iPad to maybe try to stretch everything to take up the full space. So it's like, how how does it feel? Does it feel wasteful on the iPad? Or like, do you think this is like a, a good way to use the iPad for their third go at iPad multitasking now? This is the first time they got it right, I think. Like, hmm. this is the future foundation of working on the iPad. Like, hmm. it is odd in places, right? Like, the system is trying to do a lot of the, like, where do these windows go for you? Like, they're trying to be smart about it, maybe in a way where I don't know if it's necessary. But mm-hmm. the level of flexibility that you have is vastly better than what you've had before. Like, I put a, 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 a image in our show notes of how I was preparing for this show ah. last night. I was using it in portrait at that time because I was just holding onto the iPad. And I had the bottom half of the screen had Google Docs. And on the top half of the screen, I had a Safari window with a notes window just peeking underneath it. So I would mm. tap into notes, tap the link. It would just open in Safari. Nothing's flying around the screen. Mm. And I could read one and put notes in the other. And I really like that. Because I could also have, I could have four windows on there if I wanted to. And I'm sure it's even better on the bigger iPad you go. I'm sure it works even better. But there's things you can do where like you can see in portrait mode, you don't see the, they call it the stage on the side. which shows you the app things, right? With the little visual parts of the app. You could also choose to hide that so you get more screen Ah. real estate. And what, does it come back with a swipe from the side or something? Like, how do you then switch between different stages? By just tapping icons on the dock. Uh, so, like, you huh, just tap, it okay. just takes you to the stage that has the app that you're looking for on. Huh. Kind of how, like, if you were in spaces, if you just tap an icon on the dock, it just takes you to the space that that app is on. Right, okay. Right? Okay. That makes sense. But also, you can grab the little selector, like the this resizing thing, and just pull any app full screen, and mm. then pull it back again and it takes you back to the the stage that it was on before 
So it's very flexible. Like you can resize apps kind of freely and you can also, if you need to, you want to focus on something, you can just make that app full screen. You can also, when you tap on the little three dot indicator, there's a button to just take an app full screen. So like it's Mm. very like you can go in and out depending on what you need at any one time. I think it's actually really great. I actually also think I would use this on the Mac because I am a spaces person. Mm-hmm. But for me to really use spaces the way that I would want, I would have to have like six spaces and it's just too much sliding backwards and forwards. Mm. But this would give me that, I think, way easier. So I'm, I'm looking forward to trying it out with macOS as well in the future. But for the iPad, I'm like, yeah, this is this is vastly better than what they've had before. Is it perfect? No, it is not perfect. But we've got a whole beta cycle for it to get better. But the the just the basic core idea that they're working on here is so much better than the split screen with slide over. It really is. I can, I can already see it. It's just vastly better already. It feels more natural, I think. Huh. Yeah, that is, that's interesting. I, I think even just seeing your vertical screenshot of, of working on the iPad, getting ready for the show... It's also funny, it never it never dawned on me about how I don't ever, ever use multitasking in portrait mode because it's just too annoying because everything's vertical, thin strips. Yeah. But being able to have two horizontal windows, one over the other, so much better. Yeah, it was great. So, like, I, I like that already. And also, there's no setting, like a display zooming setting, which I've turned on. So I have more mm. space on my iPad too. So this is the high space mode? Yeah. Hmm. So it's made this 11 feel more like a 12.9. Right. And so the 12.9 will feel more like the 14 and the 14 will feel like a 21 or whatever. (laughs) 45. (laughs) You can't read anything. (laughs) (laughs) Look, all I think, ooh, gigantic iPad. That'll be great for magic <laughs> that's uh, what yeah. iPads are uh, now of course right? so like... we haven't even mentioned <laughs> external display support full external display support with stage manager yeah that looked that looked cool i was wondering if you could do it with the ipad like in clamshell mode i was just kind of curious if that i would haven't known i haven't seen anyone try that yet which makes you think you probably can't that's my guess because i played around when they first did like the display mirroring with putting the ipad on yeah. the external display it is terrible like you would never really want to use a device like that. My only asterisk, though, is just in the way that iPad is not quite the same as, as Mac OS, for some tasks, it is kind of nice to be forced to like focus more clearly on one thing. Like a stage manager would do that for you too, though, right? Yeah, I guess so. It's also very flexible. So you can, when you plug in a display, you can use the iPad in the old mode like Hmm. the split screen and the external display can be stage manager. Hmm, That's interesting. I know what your thoughts are on this or if you've heard anything, but like, but looking at stage manager, it does it. I feel like it does bring back that question of, so why are there these two different platforms? It just makes me wonder again about eventual unification of Hmm. the iPad and the laptop. Like, this more than anything else, especially if it really catches on, like let's say stage manager turns out to be a very popular feature on the Mac. It really starts to be like, so wait, what's the difference between these two things again? And see, I actually think I know where you're going. I, I see where you're going. I think that what we have here is the 
more of what it is. Like the iPad is the middle platform. It has the elements of working on the Mac, but with the apps that are on the iPhone. Yeah, but at the end of the presentation, they had this whole big, like, we're bringing everything from the desktop we can to the iPad section, which I actually thought that was great because this is something like a little friction point that I run into constantly while doing family tech support. Like they even just mentioned like a couple of features like in the contact book, but it's always like, oh, why can't I merge contacts on my iPad? I have to go onto my computer and say, oh, I don't, I don't know why you should be able to. So when they were zooming through this list of like, here's all the stuff that we found that we're trying to put in both places. That is what really made it feel like, so oh my what's God. the difference again? Right. You've just reminded me, this is the best thing ever. What? I've just opened contacts on my iPad Mm -hmm. and it will let me merge duplicates. It's automatically found the 378 duplicate contacts I have because iCloud has multiple times duplicated my entire contact book. I don't know why. And it just says, would you like to merge all these duplicates? Yes. Oh my God. Yes, yes, I would like like to do that. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So yeah, it is stuff like that too, right? Which I I also like big respect for because freaking finally but like not this is Mm -hmm. one of those things it's on a wish list of everyone of like everyone has that little thing right that Mm -hmm. ipad just doesn't do and now they bring in more and more and more of these features it feels like basically they just did an audit right and they were like oh Mm -hmm. my app doesn't do this my app doesn't do this all right we'll do all of it yeah i would love to see the full list yeah some someone let me know if smart albums for iphoto is on that list because that has always been my big annoyance is I've made some smart albums in iPhoto to try to help me cull through and like filter and just like keep the photos that I want. And so I've made some smart albums to like help do that automatically so I can tag like, oh, yes, this photo is actually done. Let me get rid of all the other ones. But of course, the best time to do that is when you're casually on the couch just flipping through photos. But smart albums have never transferred over from the Mac to iPhoto which I've just I've just never understood why and that that's one of my like why can the computer do this and the iPad can't do this like smart albums in iPhoto on the iPad is like the optimal place to look at photos and I always found it incredibly annoying so I'd love to I would love to know if that one made the list of we're trying to uh make everything consistent everywhere I can't say I've seen it my friend I'm sorry to tell you uh, you know me we can always hope that it, it gets on that list. It's still yeah. beta season, right? Yeah. That's that's always the futile hope of beta season. Maybe oh, they'll yeah. add the things I want. They're going to add <laughs> right? smart photos in beta three. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because as we all know, from every beta year, they're always adding stuff for sure. They can't Lots stop. of stuff gets added. There, I will say on that note, there is a bunch of stuff that's just not in beta one, like that they're saying is coming. Like there's like this one thing where like opening additional windows of an app inside of stage manager, a little thing pops up and it's like coming later. Like leave us alone. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> like and also just in general this presentation had a lot more of coming later this year than mm-hmm. they've done in the past. Which honestly I respect because over the last few years they announce a bunch of stuff and it just doesn't ship until like the end of the year. And I just yeah. think it would be easier for everyone if they just in advance decided on a bunch of those features. Like there'll just be a bunch of stuff that we're not even going to try and ship until later on, you know? Honestly, I wish they would rebrand the whole thing as a roadmap, not as a OS release. Mm. I wish I could remember which version of Mac OS it was, but I remember for one of them, they made a big deal about 
oh, we're not going to come out with macOS on a random schedule. Like, we're going to have one every year so you can count on it. And I remember thinking, I don't like the sound of this at all. I mean, of course, that goes with my whole philosophy of, like, forced deadlines encourage you to rush and do things poorly. So I've just, I have never loved oh, we're going to have a new version of all the operating systems every year and it's going to be out on this particular time. So like, I'm I'm very happy to see them explicitly saying some stuff is coming later. But I, I really wish they would just rebrand the whole thing and say like, hey, this is what we're working on at Apple. And right. this is what you can expect to see over the next year or two. And like, just say that every year so it's perfectly fine to be like, this is the stuff that we're working on. And have the WWDC until release time just be for developers for whatever like the major things are that you want to be able to have for the new phone and just like roll stuff out more slowly over the rest of the year and like don't hold yourself to these weird deadlines so I'm like again don't get me wrong I am happy to see it but I would wish they would I wish they would do even more of that just say it's a roadmap presentation and let's do that every year This episode is brought to you by CleanMyMac X. Make sure you can trust your Mac. The Mac is a crucial tool for work, education, and life. And MacPaw are on a mission to help machines help you, which is why they developed CleanMyMac X, an ideal decluttering app for the Mac that can keep it in tip-top shape. So what exactly does it do? CleanMyMac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up your Mac so it runs at maximum speed, Plus, it organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders, meaning that you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues of storage. It fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer at the same time, preventing a Mac from cluttering, lagging, or slowing down. CleanMyMac X is notarized by Apple and is also available in the Mac App Store, so it's been checked for security, and it really stands out in design. In 2021, Clean My Mac was honored with the Red Dot Award, a UX Design Award, and has become a Webby Award nominee this year. I love Clean My Mac X myself. I feel like these days it's becoming more and more complicated to work out exactly how much storage space my Mac is using or needs at any one time. And Clean My Mac X really helps me find out and track down exactly where the culprits are filling up my disk space so I can get some of that back. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash cortex. This discount is only valid for two weeks, so go now to macpaw.app slash cortex for 5% off. Just as a final note, despite the war in MacPaw's home country, Ukraine, the team work hard to make sure there are absolutely no disruptions in the support and development of Clean My Mac X. The product is stable, safe, and secure, and I think we should give them our support. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of this show and Relay FM. They 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 did they mail they they did they, they did mail. <laughs> Can you believe it? They did stuff to they touched it. They they did things to mail. <laughs> Honestly, when they said that they said something like, uh, "Oh, and now we're talking about our like our most used communication app," and I actually had the thought in my head. What is there other than messages? Like, I didn't even think of mail. It didn't even occur to me that they might talk about mail in the presentation. But yeah, it was like, oh my God, someone's working on mail? That's amazing. (laughs) Undo send, reminders, which is also snoozing, Mm -hmm. scheduling send, follow-up reminders, and search improvements. Mm. Unbelievable. I I genuinely, it's like, oh, so... 
you did it then. Like you, you did mm-hmm. the bare like table stakes of a modern email app. They've done it. And this is, I'll tell you what, this fills me with hope for people that use mail because what this feels like to me is when they did notes and when they did reminders. Mm. It's like, we're going to make this app what you expect from an app like this now and then we're going to keep working on it because notes and reminders, reminders especially, got more stuff this year. I'm actually mm-hmm. looking at Reminders, Gray. I'm thinking I might give it another run this year instead of Todoist. Oh, interesting. There were some things that bugged me that they've added. Like you can now, you know, you get like those four boxes at the top with their like smart lists. You can now yes. move your own lists into that section and remove theirs. Oh, oh yeah, that is right? nice. Just a simple little thing. But something that we're going to get a big kick out of is you can create templates. Mm, that is no, I'm very excited about that. I'm going to give reminders another try, I think, over the beta period. When it, well, when I put the beta on my iPhone, which will probably be in like a month or something. But it's, it's funny. I feel like I must have had presentation blindness. I completely missed everything about reminders. I don't even remember them talking about it. I don't know if they did. Oh, okay. All right. Then I, now I feel better. I was like, when when the heck did they talk about reminders? I don't remember that I at all. I think this was the stuff that came afterwards. I, I don't remember them talking about it. Okay. All right. And then now I feel better. Thank you. But you can't trust my memory at the moment. <laughs> Mike, you're Mr. WWDC, right? You've been living and breathing WWDC this entire time. Uh-huh. I'm relying on you for 100% accurate information right. about absolutely everything. The other app that I was like, oh my God, they've touched it, which I was so happy about, was the Home app. Uh, oh my God. It's just a- yes. <laughs> this was one of my top, top, like, please do this oh, things. I know. I wrote down the exact quote because I really, I really love this. The presenter came out and she said, we've reimagined the home app from the ground up, starting with the underlying architecture, which to me translates as we trashed the entire thing and started over. But it's It's the perfect time to do that. Thank you. Because of this matter standard, it is the time to like, from the beginning, let's focus on reliability and then just like understand now that people have a lot of smart devices and if you have smart devices in multiple rooms the home app is an absolute chore to try like if you want to turn off the light in the living room and you have to go like swipe swipe so i I, I, unless you've decided to already set it up as a it's stupid and now it's like everything on one page filters and like little buttons oh i love it i've been playing around with it on my ipad it's fantastic. It's a fantastic yeah. design that they've come up with now. Having done anything is just just thrilling. Yeah. I, I th- I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know, for the last several years, the Home app is definitely in the contender for worst app that Apple makes. Yes. It was, it was just awful. It was so unreliable. Again, when I was with my parents, like they have a bunch of smart lights and like smart things in the house. And I cannot tell you how maddening the debugging is of trying to deal with anything with the home app. Mm-hmm. I no joke. I spent two months trying to get the lights in front of their garage to turn on before sunset and to turn off after sunset. Uh-huh. And it's like even my parents were cracking up at a certain point of like how maddening this was of like, oh, sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. When I'm trying to debug them, sometimes I can, com- I can communicate with one of the lights. Sometimes I can't. I was even out there like checking the Wi-Fi signal. It's like, is one of these out of range? Of the- no, no, there's no problem. It's just this was like a terrible buggy mess. And 
everything in the home app was like that. It's not just the lights, it's the thermostats, it's anything it communicates with. It's just awful. So I was like, oh my God, Apple. Like you have to get rid of this or redo it, but you can't leave it like this. It's just, it's it has been the worst user experience uh, for a long time. So I was I was thrilled about like, we reimagined it from the ground up. Like, yeah, I hope you did. Because <laughs> it is awful. I mean, of course, Mike, we also have to talk about my favorite section, maps. Maps, always the most <laughs> exciting section of the Apple WWDC. I got excited for you when Meg appeared, <laughs> right? I was like, oh, Gray's going to love this. <laughs> yes, of course. I was like, what you got for me, Miss Frost? I was, I was also, I don't know if you, if you, I could not figure out for the life of me if in that transition they were filming Craig in front of a green screen or if he was actually outside. This is like, nobody cares about this, but there's a thing that I really hate about a lot of the way modern stuff is filmed on digital cameras is the color profile of digital cameras can sometimes make real things look more like a green screen than they actually are. And I was like, I was really distracted until they turned the camera to Meg Frost. And I was like, okay, she's clearly outside. Like, there's no question about that. But that little transition they did with Craig, where he like walks down the hall and he goes outside. I couldn't listen to a word he said. I was like, is he standing in front of a green screen or not? Like, I can't tell. It was driving me mad. I think he was standing in front of a green screen, but who knows? It could have just been the digital camera effects. His uh, basketball shot was all CGI. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun seeing the whole Apple campus, but I do find, like, I can't turn off the meta part of my brain, which is like, which part of this is real? What's actually happening? What are they not showing us here? Is that actually where that scientist is developing super fast computer chips? I don't know. Is that just a stage? I can't turn off that part of my brain. But yeah, so of course, I'm always excited for maps. I would say it was a, quiet year for maps i was happy to see that they're still building out the ar world with uh, like all of the little fancy buildings like we talked about last time and they're expanding that yeah and i do have to say that the one big feature is like multi-stop routes to be able mm. to have multiple locations for a trip that has been something that i have found just really frustrating not being able to do that and it also feels like oh thank god apple like i'm so glad that this is here i'm also really glad that you could do a thing where you can build a route on the computer and then send it to the phone and i've thought for like a couple of real life projects that is actually a useful feature that i would have like i i want to make a route between these five locations it's easier to do on the computer while I'm thinking about stuff and just send that to my phone. So it's like, okay, that's great. It's like I said, a little bit of a quiet year for maps, but what I think is not technically maps, but I also found really fascinating was the Apple car stuff. Like like what they demonstrated that they're going to do with the displays uh, of the dashboards play? in cars. Yeah. That was another one of those, you've solved a problem I didn't even know that I had with being able to customize car dashboards if they're willing to work with Apple in that way. And I just thought like, man, that looks so freaking awesome. And I generally have this rule that if I'm traveling and I need to rent a car, I'm really trying to either 
rent a Tesla, which is what I'm most familiar in driving. And if that's not an option, which is very frequently the case, it has to have CarPlay integration. It just has to, because I don't want, like, I I think it's like a safety problem of, I don't want to have to relearn the car all the time. And so I've had a bunch of experience using Apple CarPlay and I've always thought it's great. Like I really like it. CarPlay is nice. Yeah. I I was like, if I'm in like a friend's car or like in a taxi or whatever, and they're using CarPlay, I I was, I'm Mm -hmm. always impressed by it. I think it's a really nice looking interface. And I agree with you. I think what they're doing looks even better. It's like, but it's a long way away, right? Yeah, no, it it looks really impressive. And I, I, and again, I know it is a big joke about Apple Maps, but it's like, if you have not used it in a while, it is great. And also I can say, like, I've tried all of the different systems. I think Apple is really nailing getting the audio directions down. Like when I was driving around in Hawaii and using Apple for directions, like they're doing just like great stuff with figuring out when should the voice assistant talk? What should it say? How should it describe what the upcoming intersection is like? It has gotten subtly very, very good. And I think people should give it a try if they haven't. Uh, It's like by far my preferred voice assistant in terms of like ease of ability to understand what it is trying to communicate. But especially like thinking about being in a situation where I'm renting cars, the ability to have a dashboard that I can keep with me. So it's like, oh, the speed indicator is just consistent every time. Uh. Like what a fantastic feature. And... Listeners will know, I love driving Teslas, but I have always told people that I think the biggest downside of the Tesla is that it does not integrate with either Apple or Android for any of the car stuff. And I really think every year that goes by, this becomes a bigger and bigger problem for Tesla. Like, I'm not saying Tesla's system is bad. I don't love the post model three design language that they've been using in the car. Like it's fine. There's, I don't really have any problem with it. I just don't love it. Whereas I feel like I do really love the Apple interface, but it's like, man, every year that goes by the fact that Tesla is still relying on like whatever that basic Bluetooth protocol is to just control your music and do a few things I think that's going to be more and more limiting, especially after this version of CarPlay rolls out and you can like redesign your yeah. entire dashboard. Like I, I get it. I understand Tesla's reasoning for not wanting to integrate with these things, but I really think they need to fold on this at some point. I think they're going to. You think that they're going to? Two reasons. One, they very clearly showed a design option which was the tesla style right yeah i I think that was purposeful also the statistics that they gave though like those like what is it like 98 percent of cars have it and 80 percent of people want it or something like that look here's the thing i i they gave the statistic i wrote it down they said 79 percent would only consider car play for a purchase and I, I, th- I took a look at that number and that really felt to me like a like a replication crisis kind of number. Like, let me see your methodology yeah. on that 79%. That number seems crazy high. Well, it's, yeah, of iPhone users, right? Did you, How many Android users were in that segment of people you asked? Yeah, but here's the thing. But, 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 whatever the real number is, it's only going up. There's no universe in which that number goes down ever. It only increases over time. And, like... I can easily imagine like five years from now, 
which car you buy it depends entirely on like your apple phone or your android phone like that's and that's like the starting place for the decision yeah because look if you're tesla right you had so many advantages you had the electric car you had the like which was fantastic and worked great you had the charging network which is available works great and you have a really modern operating system but now major car companies are solving the first two and then looking to device manufacturers, the smartphone manufacturers for the third. So you're losing all of your advantages at a certain point, right? As these companies start to encroach on you. So then if you're Tesla, if you don't have that option available, you will start to lose people. Like if I was buying a car in late 2023, right? And I wanted to buy an electric car, I think I would devalue tesla in that list because of carplay like i could what what they're showing is like yeah okay i would do that like if i was buying a car now i would have to really think about it because carplay is really great but it would have to be like but i think tesla will be closer to the top because it's not so exciting and there's still a ton of benefits for tesla over other stuff but as this new feature gets closer and closer, like the reason to buy a Tesla, I think decreases and decreases at the same time that major car companies are encroaching on every other thing that they have that's a benefit to them. So I think that they're going to, personally, I think they're going to have to do it. And if they don't, that's a really stupid decision. Yeah, I actually got, you mentioned it there. I got excited when they showed the mock-up because yeah. I thought, boy, does that look like the inside of a Tesla? Like yeah. it really does. And of course, when they showed the screen of like, we're working with major manufacturers, no Tesla was like, I'm only just looking for one word on that screen. I'm looking for the word Tesla and it wasn't there. I'm not confident that Tesla will do that, but I I do think it's a mistake if they don't. I think they'll only do it if it's kind of like under duress. You know, it's like it will be whenever they do it, it will be too, too, it will be too late, but it will still be done. You know, that's kind of the way I look at it. Yeah, but so anyway, I just I wanted to mention that like I know that the the CarPlay stuff is not really part of Maps, but I feel like it functionally is part of Maps because that has to be where eighty percent of the use is for most people most of the time, and it's like such a practical use of it. And I mean, I just I just love on the display like oh I could have the car like flying through the little buildings in their little simulation of the world like yeah. right between the wheels and have the speed on one side. Uh, and some other indicators on the other. I like, love the way that looks. So good looking, like, and so comfortable to view. So anyway, I was quite interested in in that, even though I'm not legally allowed to drive in the UK and only drive in America. Are you ready to start gaming more seriously on your Mac? <laughs> They've. It's a, I felt like this was for you too. When I was talking about Mac gaming, I'm like, oh yeah, look, Gray won't get a PC, so it's great that they're bringing more gaming to the Mac. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. When the Mac gaming part started, I turned to my wife and I said, this is a perfect time for the bathroom break for both of us. So we both got up and went to the bathroom and came back. I don't know. I find the gaming section very boring because they don't have anything other to say than like, look at all of these teraflops. Look at all of these polygons. We've, We've polygoned it up. And... The, like the the game that they have to play is getting people to develop 
games for both windows and mac at the same time like that's the that's the actual hill that they have to climb Mm -hmm. and i'm not a game developer i I don't know but i i just in all those gaming sections i rarely feel like they're hitting on things that are moving the needle on that problem like what makes it easier or more profitable for developers who would normally just work on windows to also make something for the mac i feel this pain when i browse through steam and look at games and it's like oh man like this mac section is a little sad it's better than it used to be yep. but the number of times i see some cool game and i go oh right that's not going to happen so i mean did you feel like there was anything in that section that would address that other than just like our graphics are awesome i i feel like that there is a positioning part of this which is important that part of the presentation to me felt like it was ripped out of the presentation they give behind closed doors to game developers Hmm. it's like there are a couple of parts to this like one is like talking about the strength of the mac platform that macs are more powerful than ever and we're selling more of them than we ever have like that's a big plus there right like our market share is yeah. larger so if you make a mac game there's more more people to put it to but the other thing the bigger thing is like look hey this is all our one platform have you ever heard about the iphone and the ipad because this is where i look at it, it's like because if you do the work and you bring your game to the mac you can also bring your game to our other devices because it's mm. the same okay. apis because one of the games so they showed off no man's sky right which is a funny game in Cortex lore. Like for people that remember, like we, I was so excited about that game before it came out. And then obviously all the things happened and now it's a much better game. People should watch the internet historian video on No Man's Sky. It's amazing. Put it in the show notes, Mike. I'll find it. That game, by the way, now is incredible. Like they've not stopped working on it and it's kind of unbelievable what they've done with it. But anyway, We'll all get to experience it, not just on our Macs, but there was a press release afterwards also on the iPad. They didn't talk about that during the presentation, but No Man's Sky will be on the iPad too. Mm. And so it's like, oh, okay. And then the fact that they were able to get Capcom to come out and talk about Resident Evil Village, which is a game that came out in the last year. It was just a serious game. Like There's just things like that where I'm like, this feels different. And then the other part of it is, well, if you want to make a VR headset, You've got to get good at games. And so I feel like they are attacking it Mm. from both sides, right? They have the iPhone and the iPad part. They don't need to do any work. You know you want to bring a game there. If If you can run a game on those platforms, you'll run a game on those platforms because there's so many devices, right? And it just makes sense. But the Mac is like, yeah, I don't know. But if you have something powerful enough, it now has the power. Like they were saying, like Resident Evil Village plays in 4K on the Mac Studio. Right, and so it's like that sounds fantastic, mm. right? They would do 1080 on everything else and 4K on the the studio with like the Pro and the Ultra, which is that all makes sense. That's what you would expect. You're playing a game on a laptop, you probably expect 1080 by and large because you don't want to destroy the battery. So it's like stuff like that where it's like this all sounds different, and they are now in a position where they can pitch this stuff more seriously. But then going at it from both sides, you've got we've got all the devices and we also have the technology. Please bring your game to us. I will also say Resident Evil Village just announced VR content for PlayStation VR. So what, do you think they might be working with Apple on like testing out headset stuff? Is that what you're thinking? I could imagine that they would be 
also bringing the Resident Evil Village VR content to Apple as well. Mm. Yeah, maybe. Again, because I find that section boring. I wasn't paying full attention. Uh, But I I do feel like, okay, if they're actually trying to pitch it, like we're bringing these platforms closer together so that you get access to all three of them, that does solve the developer problem of how are we going to make this profitable to do. That's it. Metal 3 introduced a bunch of stuff to enable way more powerful games to come to the platform. Like Mm -hmm. they're not sleeping on it. And it isn't just like, hey, this is so convenient. Is that convenient and yeah. we're doing the work? Like, that's where I see it's like it's coming from these two sides from them right now. Well, yeah. And on, honestly, like, the one thing they congratulated themselves in the presentation, and I thought, you guys totally deserve it when they congratulated themselves on the transfer to the M1 and M2 Mac silicon chip line. It's like, guys, your, your chip team is just absolutely knocking it out of the park. It is shock like i'm i'm still just constantly impressed at how well my laptop does with really heavy workloads it's so good how well the battery lasts like i always kind of underrate when they're like oh this laptop will last forever no it won't it's like oh wow my new pro actually does last a very long time on the battery uh-huh. like this is the first time i feel like it's delivered on those promises but more importantly is like the raw power when it's actually plugged in and that does feel like if they keep working at this, I can see in the long run that it could attract actually more of like the serious gaming end if they're able to keep making the kind of gains that they have of like, oh, actually Mac computers on Apple Silicon are amazing for heavy duty stuff. I can see that in the future. I just don't, you know, I'm not well versed enough in like what all the current level stats are to know how these things are relative to each other now. But I could see that in the future of Apple might actually be able to turn the tides on this and have the best processors that exist. Look, I mean, the only thing that really caught my attention during the gaming section was they mentioned background download API. Uh huh. (laughs) bringing it back to you mentioning at the start about all the APIs. And that one did catch my attention for one reason, which is every time Magic releases a new set of cards, (laughs) the app loads... You know, like, so it's updated in the app store, it's downloaded onto your computer, but when the app loads, it then says, it's so annoying, it goes, would you like to download five gigabytes in order to continue? It's like, yes, of course I would. Grave, why is it so large? It's all the artwork for the cards. Uh, It's just a huge, huge update. The artwork, especially on the computer, it's genuinely gorgeous. Uh, On the iPad, it's a little bit compressed and terrible looking, but it's still like just a ton of data. But I always find that incredibly annoying. Like, hey, can I just open this app and start looking around and you download the cards as I need them? Wouldn't that be better? And that's like, that's all I was thinking of for like that background download API. Like, oh, come on, Wizards of the Coast. Please, please include this in your app so that I don't have to download the entire thing and wait for 20 minutes before I can actually do the thing that I want to do, which is play your game. Who's slower at adding new features, Apple or Wizards of the Coast? I think that depends on how you define a feature. How like confident are you that they're going to add this thing with iOS 16? Oh, uh, 3% confident. That's my, <laughs> that's my, for some reason, that was what level. I expected, and I don't know why, because I don't really know anything about this company. But there's just something, the name Wizards of the Coast makes it feel like this company is very old. (laughs) You know, it's just like, it just sounds old, you know? Wizards of the Coast is actually owned by Hasbro. And Mm. mainly my 3% is just, 
how vital is this from their perspective when they're developing for multiple platforms? I think it's not very vital. And Ah. and ultimately, am I willing to wait 20 minutes to play the game? Well, yeah, of course, because I'm going to then spend hundreds of hours on it. So yeah, like the 20 minutes is nothing. But still, it would be nice if they implemented that background download API. 